Yeah. So Karen's asking about the um, the, the interpretation of PT being primary in the first jhana and sukha being primary in the second jhana, and um, and also the translation of those words. Yeah. Um, no, that I, as far as I know, that's not in the Pali canon that the PT is primary and the sukha is secondary. Um, as far as I know, they both they're both factors of of both both the first and second jhana. As far as I know, yeah. Um, I guess I'm just speaking from experience, also from how I was taught um, originally, um, or one of my teachers, in fact. Um, so I'm just speaking from the way experience tends to mature. I think even for people who are not told what to wait for or don't even know what they're supposed to be looking for, it would just tend to mature that way. As for the translations, yeah, it's interesting reading. Um, sometimes you get delight or pleasure or joy or all kinds of different translations. So I, I'm just speaking from experience about PT as predominantly felt physically pleasure. Um, although it's a perception, and sukha is predominantly happiness, but it has a lot of wavelengths. Yeah. Um, Boaz. Is that Boaz? Yeah. Yeah. So Boaz is asking, in terms of this word ekagata, the way I translate it, what makes it special as a jhanic factor versus the factor that might be present in any insight practice? So actually... In the Abhidhamma, which, as I said, is this kind of very, uh, I don't know what you call it, very sort of uh, black and white definitions about factors of consciousness in, in Theravada Buddhism. Um, actually, Mahayana also have their own version. They say ekagata as a factor is present in every state of consciousness. So not every, not every, um, not even in medita- just in meditation or just in jhana. It's the, the mind always has one thing prominent to some degree. So it's a question of how, how much is, is one thing uh, one thing prominent. Y- you know, then you would tend to think, okay, well the ekagata of the eighth jhana must be better than the ekagata of the first jhana, but not necessarily, it can vary. I, I would say it can vary. But basically it's a it's a it's just a factor, it's a it's a fact of being consciousness of being conscious, of having a perception that there's one thing that's kind of more prominent in, in the perception. So it's not particular to samadhi or jhana practice. It gets developed more in jhana. Pra- in jhana, so it becomes a kind of a okay. This is a a kind of uh, important, or it becomes developed in a, in a jhanic state or a samadhi state. Um, but but it's something that's there anyway in any moment of consciousness. What does that mean then? Um, it means um, that. Well, it means it gets stronger and stronger, or you make it stronger and stronger. So, so you know, a jhanic state is very absorbed. There's really just one. There's one thing. It's like it's you're really into that thing, more and more. You know. Um, so the question is, um, been told to sort of stay in the first jhana as much as possible, but other states are coming up. And is it okay to go there? Should I go there and just trust them or or not? And and I want to go there. They're much nicer. Yeah. Can you describe what what, what they are? What's going on? What what kind of... Very settled, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so what I was describing a place where it's sort of like it's like white velvet and very settled and like the breath of God is there and very lovely and yeah. Yeah. So um you know again it's it's about context. So you could um if we're if we're looking at things from a jhana lens, say of everything you just said, um which are the and we sort of map that onto a jhana territory, which are the significant nimittas there and which are the less significant nimittas? So if we're doing imaginal practice, soul-making practice, then actually it's the breath of God that's the most significant thing there. And the fact that it's velvety is great and the fact that it's serene is great, but actually it's the breath of God that's most significant. If you're doing jhana practice, then actually what's most significant is the serenity there. Um, so... It might be, from what you're saying, we have a longer conversation, it might be that the serenity there is something akin to something in the third jhana. It's much more kind of subtle and exquisite and, and lovely that way. It might be. We'd have to have a slightly longer conversation. But if, if you want to go into that and explore it, it's almost like that needs to become the primary jhana factor, that the serenity. And it might be that the sense of the breath of God and the white velvet support it for a while, but after a while they'll become kind of secondary. And you realize, oh, it's a territory um, that is characterized primarily by that kind of serenity. And you recognize its, its particular bandwidths and those, those other factors are secondary. Um, but it depends what you want. If you want jhanas, then it, it depends what we emphasize, you know, what we pull out of that mix of what's what's most important. And, and it's funny, I only know you from, really, from imaginal practice, so I don't know what else you've done in terms of insight practice and all that, but it could be, like I said today, it could be that for you, there has been a training where the mind goes a lot towards a kind of serenity and, and doesn't really like all this kind of bubbly, you know, stuff like that. So again, f either you decide, Actually, I'm not really into the jhana practice. I want to make this an imaginal space. I guess my request would be not not on this retreat, but you know, you can come back to that. You'll have plenty of access to all these kinds of things at other times. If you do want it to be jhana, then then the question becomes of okay, which first? Which should I develop first, or should I even develop these things in parallel? Um, so demarcate, really get used to, okay, that as you're doing, this state is definitely different than this one. I prefer that one, but I'm actually interested in mastering them both and being able to hang out with them both and finding them both lovely. Um, and either you decide, okay, well, I'm going to do this first and that second, or that first and that second, or I'm going to do them kind of in parallel. Does that sound okay? But, um, so there's, to me, there's nothing wrong with experiencing the breath of God there and all that. It's just that if that becomes primary, it, it, um, technically speaking, it's, it, it takes you in a slightly different direction, which is you know, gorgeous and beautiful, incredibly fruitful, but it's slightly different than what we're doing. So it can be there as a support for a while, um, and it might, it might be, but uh, at some point you have to, you have to kind of hone in on what's the primary factor in any, in any state. Does that answer? Yeah, so this is one of the things. It's hard, as I said, doing a retreat over time and, and kind of what you need to do is come to an interview and describe in a bit more detail and then we could, we could map the jhanas on those and that will tell you what to make more primary in each state if you want to develop the jhanas. Yeah? Um, and then exactly the order in which you sort of 
go, you know, develop your mastery of those if that's what you want. That that kind of is partly dependent on um, your your history and things like that. Yeah, but yeah, without. Uh, mm, I guess this is one of the the, the, the um, one of the situations where you would need to have a bit of a map to, to tell you because there's so you know there's actually an infinite amount of lovely states that a human being can find themselves in I- infinite. But when you start including soul making stuff, it becomes completely infinite. So um, it, it really depends. It's like certain honings or certain uh, a magnetism to this or priority of this will direct you in certain ways. And you know, if you ask me, is it better or worse, whatever, you know, it's not really about that, it's just what do we want to do right now? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I can't see who that is at the back, is it Sabra? Um, Is there a reason I haven't um, listed out the eight jhanas? And yeah, Um, I I, I did um, in one of the first two talks, but very quickly. Um, I, yes, so we're, I think, I think the way I'm thinking about it is, okay, we're thinking mostly about PT and the first jhana, and then I'll give more detail about each jhana, but, um, that's just one, one way of going about it, I guess. Is there a reason? Um, probably because that's where most people are, will be at, uh. Well, I read them very quickly. I r- um, wha- why would you want that? To give you a sense of whether you're slipping into something or other else right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I guess we could have done it that way. I would usually do that with in an interview with someone, like I described, but it might be that it would take quite a lot of description you know, from me at the front of each one to really, for you to get an accurate sense of, is that it or, or where is it? So I'm not sure. Maybe that maybe one time, I, well, I probably won't get the chance, but that would be another way of doing it. But um, I think it would take really quite a lot of description because there's a lot of states, like when I talked about, oh, some people who've done a lot of insight meditation get into a state of equanimity. And then I said, oh, I actually have to explain a few things about equanimity. Because for example, the Buddha talked about equanimity based on singleness, equanimity based on multiplicity, and then there's equanimity in relation to the eight worldly conditions, and um, and then there's just equanimity as a kind of, um, you know, a qu- almost a jhanic state based on multiplicity, almost a jhanic state based on singleness and stuff. So it might take quite a lot to kind of put all that out there and then for you individually to sort of figure out where you are on that map. Um, but I guess it's another way of doing it, yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you? What do you? Th- I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, but it is like I said in in individual teaching. That would be a real. That's quite a common thing for me. And I'm just listening, and I'm picking up the signals, and I would ask questions and stuff like that. Um, I think teaching a group this stuff, teaching a group to do jhanas this way, with the whole idea of mastery and marinating, is uh, yeah, it's quite a sort of strange thing to do that's what I mean yeah 
yeah, it, that, that's what I was trying to say before. Yeah, it's like it would take quite a lot of explanation and the different sort of shades. No, it's something like this that you may have experienced, but actually it's a bit different. And so, I mean, I don't know. I feel if, if I do it now, I'd just be rattling them off again, but um, I'm not sure what the point of that is. But uh, do you want me to? I don't know. Would it be helpful? Or, or, or bring it to, to individual interviews, yeah? Okay, Monica. Yeah. Um, do, doing this whole practice takes a lot of energy. A lot of energy. Don't un I mean, it brings a lot of energy, but it takes a lot of energy. So I think I said that at one point. Um, it really does much more than you think. So even when you've got the PT there and this kind of subtle work and sustaining it, it's it, it somehow at the same time delivers a tremendous amount of energy, but it takes a lot of energy. So a absolutely. The question is, okay, here's this PT, and do I need to go back to the base practice, or is there a way I can just, you know, minutely change the way I'm working with it that actually it's more sustainable? So there's not always such a black and white answer, but generally, if you, if you feel like you're getting tired, yeah, it's either time to rest or time to maybe do the base practice. But it might be, eventually, when you do a lot of this practice, you know, say, okay, uh, here I am working on the, you know, playing in the second jhana or whatever, and it's getting a little tired. And I just go to the seventh jhana and come back, and now I've got loads of energy. So it's not necessarily you always go. That's the thing about this. It's not, it's not always so formulaic. Or it might be I'm trying to in the fourth jhana, it's getting a little bit dull, and I go back to the first jhana, and that gives me energy. Or or I go back to the breath. So I don't know that there are formulaic answers really, and that's to me part of the whole improvised improvised thing with it. But um, yeah, does that? But certainly, or it could be I just stay with what I'm doing, wh whatever it is, the PT, whatever, and there's a way of of getting more energy there, finding more energy, or not, and then I have to do something different. Yeah. Okay. Maybe last one. Did someone else? Is that Nicole? Hmm. Yeah, so um, Nicole's asking, sometimes with the different kinds of PT she experiences, there are sort of corresponding different images, like a snowflake or something, that kind of seem to go with that image. And the image can kind of help trigger or support that PT. And the question is, is that okay? Can I kind of go with the image, or do I need to drop it as soon as possible? And, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, this is very common, actually. And I would say um, it's... Again, it's a matter of intention. So um, the images can be there, as I say, in the background, um, but as long as they're helpful, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're supporting, they're, they're if they're supporting the PT and helping you get into it more, it's, it's great, it's no problem, they're in the background. You know, and you can play with how much you get into the PT or how much the image goes. goes. And sometimes if you want, th the image is quite primary for a while, but yeah, the pr but really what the primary thing needs to be is the PT, so it would be a little bit secondary. But it might kickstart things, you know. And eventually, you don't need so much of those kickstarts. Like I said, it just it just comes, so you just remember the PT. And what you're all going to learn is lots of little tricks for all the different stages here. So you'll learn lots of tricks from the f to get you from the first to the second jhana. I can give you some, and then you'll discover your own, like a snowflake image, or you know, lots of little things. And after a while, you just find I actually don't need them anymore. Other images might be just for a long time in your jhana practice. They just 
they go with that jhana and they somehow just support it, but they're very much in the background, uh, mostly. But sometimes they can come a little more in, in, into the foreground to, to sort of uh, ramp things up a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah? Great. Okay, very last one. <laughs> if you're trying to go to sleep or if you're... Okay, so... Um, you're not talking about lying in bed and being troubled by PT that doesn't let you sleep. You're talking about when you're on the cushion and there's different kinds of PT. Sometimes it's really strong and other times it's it's so relaxing that you're going to sleep. Yeah, two yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, there are different kinds of PT and it might also be though that... Um, well, a couple of things. So why don't we just say this? When, when the PT gets more relaxing and, and soft that way, then your attention on it needs to change. I, maybe it's more subtle. So again, maybe the attention needs to get more subtle, you know, and maybe the enjoyment of that um, of that smoothness, etc. There's quite a, s- a subtle attention there and a subtle way of enjoying it. You have to come into a certain stance with it, yeah. Um, what happens as we go more and more into the jhanas is we learn to pay attention with more subtle objects. And we learn to learn to sort of ke- sustain our attention on more subtle objects. So that would be that would be an example there. Um, yeah, that's part of the R. I mean, it might be that um, another state is beginning to show itself, and it's actually not PT is actually not the primary thing there. It's a different body energy but still it's like what is it to what is it to to stay with that and if you're actually falling asleep you know it's like how can I be really alert with this if if that's there yeah does that answer yeah it's an it's an art to 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 really be awake with something that's subtler and calmer at every level you have to kind of your attention has to get trained at every new level. So that could be part of what's happening there. Yeah. Okay, let's let's have a just a little quiet time together. One one announcement, so, yeah. and actually just one more thing with Roxanne's question. Um, you know, all the things we've said about subtle work and play might apply. So it might be that more opening needs to happen at that point. Again, sleeping. When we talked about the hindrances, sleeping is a kind of closing down. It's very comfortable, and something just closes down. And actually, you might need to open yourself with the idea of how can I enjoy this to the mo- to the m- max. You know, so is it? 
more sustaining? Is it more opening? Is it more maximizing the enjoyment? Again, this question of what needs emphasizing now in the way that I'm working of all the possibilities, yeah? And, and finding what actually helps, but it might actually be more a question of opening and, and finding the enjoyment in it. So it's enjoyable, but actually I'm not maximizing the enjoyment and I'm not opening to it in the right way. And that's what's kind of sending it into a, a sleeping. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.